This is Green Seas, the podcast by Tradewinds about the environment and the business of the ocean. I'm Eric Priante Martin, and today we're going to tally up the impact and the cost of the EU's upcoming carbon rules for shipping. I've noticed in the last few months that here on the Green Seas podcast, there's one topic that our audience always seems to want to hear about shipping's upcoming inclusion in the EU's emissions trading system. My bet is that it's because it's coming, soon, that it feels more imminent than what's happening, for example, at the International Maritime Organization, or IMO. The European Union is rolling out a package of new regulations at the start of next year. One, the Emissions Trading System, or ETS, effectively requires shipping companies to buy the right to pollute. The other, called Fuel EU Maritime, gets less attention, but may be equally, or even more important. It puts gradually increasing limits on the carbon intensity of the energy on ships as a way to generate demand for clean fuels. So this week, we're going to start digging into these new rules by trying to calculate their impact, both their cost to shipping and how they might change the way shipping behaves. And to do that, we're going to start looking at where we are now. Even though we're more than halfway through 2023, but it's only now that we're getting the 2022 data for ships that call at European ports. Shipping companies whose vessels carry cargoes to and from Europe have had to report their emissions to the EU for some time, the so-called Monitoring, Reporting, and Verification Data, or MRV. One of the people who's been digging into those numbers is Mattia Ferrocchiato. Based in Switzerland, he's the head of the Carbon Desk at BRS Shipbrokers. That's right, that's one of the changes that EU emissions trading has already brought. Shipbroking houses have carbon traders. When his team added up all those MRV emissions, he found 129 million tons of CO2 in 2022. Though he warns that the number doesn't correspond with all the emissions that the new EU rules are going to cover. That's because the emissions trading system, for example, only covers half of emissions from voyages to or from countries outside the EU. When we take away 50% of the international voyages, that number goes down to 85 million tons of CO2, again, based on the 2022 MRV data. Then you have carve-outs for voyages to small islands or European countries' overseas territories. So that's why, according to our estimations, based again on the 2022 MRV data, we need to take away 4 million tons of CO2 more which means that from 85 million, we go down to 81 million. So that could be the ETS shipping emission size, uh, if you want to have a, a proper analysis. And then, with all that, emissions trading is being phased in. So only 40% of those numbers are covered in 2024, then 70% the next year, before full implementation in 2026. This is equal to 32 million tons of CO2 in 2024, 56 million tons in 2025, and back to 81 million tons in 2026. But let's get down to brass tacks. How much will that cost? Yeah, well, based on the uh, yesterday closing price, which was around 86 euro, if you just do the math, 32 million times 86 euro, you get around 2.7 billion euro cost for all the industry. Or about $3 billion. What is fun is that across all the MRV files, you know, the MRV was started in 2018. Across all these five reporting periods, you had more or less always the same number of vessels, which is 12,000 vessels. 
So if you do uh, 2.7 billion euro spread between uh, 12,000 vessels, you get an annual cost for 24 of uh, 230,000 euro. So that's the, the cost for one vessel during 2024. That's about $256,000. And of course, that will vary depending on how a ship trades, how efficient it is, and what kind of fuel it's using. And that's just the first year. That cost is going to rise as emissions trading is phased in. But here's the key question I wanted to ask Ferro How will this impact the way ships trade? Will the cost of buying carbon allowances, as the ETS carbon credits are called, push them to do anything differently? Before he got into shipping, Ferro was trading carbon credits for the industries that were already covered in the ETS system for years. And if the fuel switching that took place in the power sector is any guide, he said the biggest emitters are the ones that are going to change their behavior first. And the biggest emitters are the liners. When I say liners, I say container ship, ferry, cruiser, Roro, and Ropax. So all together, they have the highest shares in emissions in the MRV, which is around 66 million tons, considering the total, which was 129 million tons. Again, this is not including the, the discounts, etc. So basically, more than 50% of the total MRV, EU MRV emissions are liner-related which means that they will probably be the sectors uh, decarbonizing first because they will have the highest cost. And that seems to be confirmed also if we check the order books. In the next few years, 42% of the dual fuel LNG and methanol vessels are liners. So we could see that most of these new deliveries, new buildings, will be allocated to EU business to reduce the cost of carbon and fuel EU, because we don't have only the UETS, but you have also the fuel EU maritime directive. So I do believe that container ships and other liners are going to be the first movers. Ships that operate on regular liner services are the ones that will keep returning to EU ports time and time again throughout the year. Add to that the fact that for container ships, there's more pressure from customers to go green. So that's why these are the sectors that are already moving to alternative fuels, liquefied natural gas, and more recently methanol. In the dry bulk sector and tankers, vessels can move around when the new rules hit. And Ferro told me that in a high fuel price environment, some shipping companies have slowed down or improved efficiency of their vessels, which will also help cut carbon costs when EU ETS comes into play. So I believe that these other sectors, bulk and tankers, will probably uh, go for these measures at the beginning because they don't have alternative solutions. So they will probably, yes, doing the retrofits like they are doing it for, the, for all the IMO regulations, so that some of them have already done that, but they will probably reduce the speed they will allocate uh, eco-vessels and newer vessels to the European business, while they will leave uh, the old ones for Pacific, Atlantic business, but not in European business. Over the last year, we've seen the price for EU carbon allowances bounce up and down between about 80 euros and 100 euros per ton of CO2. That's roughly 90 to $110, which will add 270 to $300 to the cost of a ton of conventional shipping fuel. How will that impact shipping markets? Ingrid Kilstead is sustainability lead at Zero Lab, a unit of Norwegian shipping group Torvald Klavnes. She was speaking on Futurebound, a podcast by Oslo-listed affiliate Klavnes Combination Carriers. 
She said $100 per ton is a big enough number to start conversations between shipping companies and their customers. And it's a number that you can put into calculations and uh, you can start to see some impact. I think it also has opened up a new way of discussing with cargo owners the importance of looking into how you can reduce uh, emissions from shipping because it will have an impact on the freight rates. For example, if you look at uh, grain from Australia to Europe on a Panamax, you could easily add up to $4 per ton. No, and that's, uh, that's a number that, uh, uh, that you will feel. Uh, the same with soybeans from Brazil to Europe on the Panamax could also easily be around $4, $4 per, per ton. And when you see these type of uh, numbers, then you can uh, have a different conversation uh, about how the various stakeholders could collaborate and uh, maybe find ways to incentivize each other to, uh, to reduce uh, emissions. But she said cargo owners have yet to understand how the emissions trading system will impact freight rates. But not everyone is sure that the cost of those carbon allowances will spur meaningful action to cut emissions. Jacob Armstrong, a sustainable shipping manager at Transport and Environment, an NGO focused on pushing Brussels to decarbonize industries. The group also dug into the EU shipping emissions data, recently estimating that they have recovered to 128 million tons, their highest level since slumping during the pandemic, and a level that's equal to the carbon footprint of the entire country of Nigeria. But the 2022 figure is actually still growing. So I just had a look uh, this morning at the at the, the newest version, and we've actually gone up uh, almost a million and a half tons, right? So the data is evolving, um, and we're basically almost at the same emissions as we were in 2018. Um, so it tells us a lot of things. We can go into it in more detail, but basically it means uh, shipping, trade, commerce, pollution is right back at pre uh, COVID levels. So we haven't seen that the shipping industry has used COVID to invest in clean solutions. Instead, we're kind of back to, to kind of polluting business as usual. Among the things transport and environment found is skyrocketing emissions from LNG carriers as Russia's invasion of Ukraine pushed natural gas imports from pipelines to ships. 10 million tons of emissions from those vessels is double their 2018 levels. Cruise ships, which basically closed for business during the pandemic, saw their emissions rise to 5 million tons. Will any of that change when the new EU measures hit the road? I think the question is, if we look at this compared to business as usual, if we didn't have any European regulation, then yes, it does. Right? It will reduce emissions, in particular fuel EU, and in particular as we get later on in time, okay? because fuel EU maritime, as, as listeners will, I'm sure will be, will be very, very up to date with how it works, is basically you have to improve the average quality of your fuel, the average what we call greenhouse gas uh, intensity of your fuel. So it really means by the time we get to 2035, 2040 and, and afterwards, the majority of fuels that shipping companies have to use will have to be clean, right? So we're going to see massive, massive um, outputs of, you know, of things like e-fuels, clean zero emissions fuels by then. But notice that he mentioned the fuel EU maritime legislation and not the emissions trading system. In the recent debate at the IMO, there was a lot of attention on a global carbon tax, but Armstrong is skeptical about putting a price on greenhouse gas emissions. I think the thing we see from the ETS is that, so the ETS carbon market, EU's carbon market, essentially putting a price onto carbon is not gonna have a massive impact on emissions. Um, it's quite a clear reason why really, it's, it's because shipping is quite good at internalizing and passing on costs. So if we put a, a big carbon tax on onto ships, what actually happens is that the shipping companies pass it on and it's this consumers, it's you and I, Eric, who end up paying. Okay, and again, a really concrete example is this, is we saw last year, the big, some of the big box carriers um, 
Maersk, uh, MSC, they announced that they were going to charge uh, surcharges, what they called ETS surcharges, on the back of the shipping ETS. Um, and essentially what that means is them kind of saying, Do you know what, we don't really fancy paying that, our customers are going to pay. And then the customers charge their customers and eventually it get, gets down to us. So the ETS will raise revenue and is important to uh, to put the polluter pay signal on there. And hopefully some of the customers will get together and kind of say, no, actually, do you know what, you need to do slightly more box it, you carriers actually need to reduce your emissions and then we'll pay you, uh, yeah, and then we'll pay what we we have to pay. But really, the big impetus for, uh, for decarbonisation is going to come from this fuels obligation. But even though the EU's new decarbonisation rules will have an impact, Brussels may have to do more if it wants to keep shipping's emissions in line with the Paris Agreement's goal of halting global heating at 1.5 degrees Celsius. Even though Transport and Environment believes the fuel EU maritime legislation will do more than emissions trading to shrink shipping's greenhouse gas footprint, it will still leave shipping into and out of Europe dependent on fossil fuels beyond 2050. And that means it will overshoot that 1.5 degree target. Green groups recently slammed the new targets of the IMO, and Transport and Environment was among them. First of all, the point about the IMO, right, is we're really, we're really even a couple of steps back from the EU. Because what the EU did is, first of all, it set targets, set really good targets, uh, emissions reduction 2030, emissions reduction 2050. And then it importantly, and this is really key, it followed up and it put a framework in place in order to achieve those targets. What we're talking about and what our publication today said, and I would really, really encourage people to go and read it. It's an excellent, excellent analysis of what's actually happening. What we say is, again, the framework is good. Okay, Framework is there. What's missing is the ambition. Okay, so what, and again, it's really about these 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 early targets, 2030, 2035, even 2025. They need to be more ambitious. What concrete things does Armstrong and his colleagues think the EU needs to do? Now that the EU is going to charge for carbon emissions, it needs to spend that money on subsidies for green fuels. And they want stronger targets aimed at getting ships to become significantly more efficient in the short and medium term. more on the environment and the business of the ocean. The Green Seas newsletter has explored a proposal by the cruise industry aimed at making the Global Carbon Intensity Indicator Regulation, known as CII, to take into account the unique characteristics of floating vacations at sea. The CII grades ships based on their carbon emissions by cargo or passenger capacity and distance traveled. But cruise executives say having distance in the equation has perverse incentives, making it possible to reduce carbon intensity to get a better score while increasing overall emissions in a sector in which ships stay in port to let passengers enjoy destinations. Read the story at tradewindsnews.com and get the newsletter by signing up at tinyurl.com greenseas. Our colleagues at Recharge have reported on two blows, pardon the pun, to offshore wind power plans. In the U.S., Rhode Island's main energy utility has decided against a project there after Orsted and Eversource submitted the only bid, and it was too expensive. Soaring costs have also led Vattenfall to hit the brakes on a project off the U.K. Read those stories at rechargenews.com. Music for this episode is by Trending Audio from Toontank. Tank.